Well, how about this? A listener says, I'm working myself to death in a career I hate. All right. Now, this is a classic example of climbing a ladder that's leaning against the wrong wall. Value knowing what you don't want to do and use that new knowledge to define what you do want to do. I mean, this is an ongoing process for all of us of knowing more and making adjustments along the way. And yes, your distaste of your current work will indeed lead to an earlier death. So stick around. We're going to be looking at new workplace trends and how you can stay in the lead, stay in the driver's seat for the future you want right after these messages from our supporting sponsors. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Hey, welcome in. We're going to be looking at things that help you take care of business, the business you do every day, whether that's in a traditional career or doing entrepreneurial work, having a business of your own. we got a lot of different variations represented in you, the listeners. 48 Days, hey, if you're new here, welcome in. The 48 Days comes from my belief years ago that it, there needed to be a timeline on making decisions. Too many people get trapped in indecision, procrastination. And I thought there's got to be a timeline to assess where you are, get the input of other people, choose your options, do a little bit more research, select one and act. And that Time frame is 48 days. That's where that comes from. That's been verified thousands and thousands of times over. People who did exactly that, went through that process, made a new decision, moved into a new season of their life. So thanks for being a listener. I love hearing from you. Love being allowed to think through the questions we have each week about finding or creating work that matters for people who care. Well, here's some of the questions we're going to have this week here we're going to look at. Dan, should I pay someone to do the tech and setup part of my new business, or should I learn how to do it myself? Good question. Dan, what's your number one suggestion for transitioning into more meaningful work? And then the one I mentioned already here in our lead-in, Dan, I feel like I'm working myself to death to advance in a career that I hate. Someone says, I want to find some resources for possible small business ideas that I could start with my 12-year-old daughter. And then a couple says, we'd really like to invest or start a business to replace 50% to 100% of my wife's income, which is currently $100,000. All right, we're going to jump into those. Got a lot to cover here. We're going to go. Our quotation today comes from Maya Angelou, who said, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. That's pretty simple, straightforward advice. Our resource you know, so many of you uh, continue to ask about you know the 15-hour-a-week model that I talk about so much where you divide your time into four different areas to move a business forward, and you can do that to make dramatic su success forward in, you know, 90 days, 48 days, you can do that. But if you go to 48days.com slash elite calendar, now the way it's titled there, that's a process we go through with our Eagles Elite members, but... Every, every week, we're going through one of 24 modules, but this shows you what those modules are. So you can look at those and see how to move your own business forward, as well as have that 15 hours a week breakdown there. So again, it's just 48days.com slash 
Elite Calendar, E-L-I-T-E-C-L-A-N-E-N-D-A-R. All right. So let's move into some of the things that are happening out here in the workplace. You know, if you're having a terrible time landing a new job, uh, you're not the only one. You know, things have really changed. You know, a few months ago, not that long ago, you could just get a job, you know, with your eyes closed. Well, it's changed. I mean, job hunting is still out there. There's a lot of changes, challenges that are going on, but things have changed in the last few months, whereas there were just so many jobs and you could just, you know, again, you know, limp on a pogo stick down the street and get three job offers. That's pretty much changed. There's 500,000 fewer job postings than there were a year ago right now. A half a million fewer. That means uh, the market's flooded with experienced candidates. You know, after those two years that we had of massive layoffs, there's a whole lot of, you know, the tech firms alone have reduced. They've shed about 370,000 jobs since last year. So there's a whole lot of people who are really experienced, have great skills in the tech arenas that are out there looking. So it's there's a lot more competition for getting jobs than there was even six months ago. Companies realize they could be more picky, so you better sharpen up your skills. Don't think that, hey, if you don't like this job, you just you walk out the door because you can go down the street and get another job. Now, that may be true at a lower level, but if you get come on up the skill range a little bit, it's it's a little more competitive than it was even, again, six months ago. Well, and then another thing that is still a factor out there are that workers got spoiled in being able to work from home. A lot of them are resistant to going back. So, you know, companies are checking that out, are figuring out, can they really make this work? Can they have remote workers? Do you lose the creativity, the brainstorming that comes from having people together? Or can you replicate that and still just have people working alone? And a lot of variations going on. But employees say they're spending up to $45 a day more if they have to go to the office. Now, this is per Magazine Insider. But, you know, think about it. Having to have clothes. I mean, that's a little different. It should be a little different if you're going to an office than if you're just staying home. Coffee and lunch. I mean, that's a little easier, a little cheaper if you're at home. Child care, commuting, the gas, car maintenance. You know, whether you maybe ride the train or ride the bus, I mean, those are all things. Yeah, they say it averages up to about $45 more a day if you have to go to work. So it's not unusual to ask for being able to work from home. Still a growing phenomenon, but uh, there's a lot of variables here. Every situation is going to be different. Okay, just uh, stay current on what's happening out there. Whether or not you're changing jobs or doing something, you know, that you're starting up, just you need to be aware at least of what's happening out there. Now, somebody sent me a note. Listener sent me a note. Uh, Steve Sponseller actually sent me this piece on a student who was born in prison, graduates at the top of her class, and now is all set to go to Harvard just a really cool story. This Texas gal was literally born in prison. Her mom was in prison when she was born. Um, Her dad picked her up right after that and uh, raised her as a single dad. She never really had any contact with her mom, but she did well in school. You know, the interesting thing was there are a lot of people in the community who reached out and wanted to offer their help. So she got a lot of mentoring, a lot of good help during the years because people knew her story that started off with, she, she started her application to Harvard with the sentence, I was born in prison. 
You know, that's a pretty unusual beginning. So she's doing well. She plans to go to law school after she goes to Harvard. But, you know, just an interesting story and one of those we smile and uh, wish her well, believe me. It brings us back to the conversation I had a couple of weeks ago with my son, Kevin, discussing his new book, What Drives You, Nature Versus Nurture. Are we predestined because of the genes we got, you know, the people we were born from? Is that pretty well determined what we're going to be? Or is are we are we a, an open book where we can make our own decisions and just uh, you know, move in new directions if we want to? Again, a lot of factors there. I love looking at the impact um, along the way. And we're all being developed. We're all developing every day. And it's it's wonderful. I certainly believe that we have choices. I don't believe that, you know, we're just predetermined that we have no choices. Our life is just going to be what it is. That'd be pretty, uh, pretty alarming, pretty uh, frightful to think about life in that way. I think we get up every morning, this kind of a brand new book where we can make decisions. Certainly we're influenced by our past, by our surrounding, but we still have those options to embrace change along the way. Speaking of embracing change, <laughs> yeah, you all know that uh, a couple of weeks ago, I explained why I was going to start having podcast ads on this podcast, that being primarily as a business move to grow our audience by being part of a network instead of just a lone ranger out here. You know, instead of just being one more guy you know, with a microphone, uh, I'm now part of a network like in Netflix, where there's a lot of accumulation of efforts in that network where we all help each other and everybody level is is raised. It's pretty easy to see as a business uh, business model. However, and not everybody is really excited about that. And I anticipated that. I mean, I, I knew that, that was going to be the case. But here's the deal. Jeff Bezos says, you have to be willing to be misunderstood. Now, I want you to remember that as a principle. That's going to be one of the takeaway points from the day. You have to be willing to be misunderstood. Uh, Jesse Cole, who's the the wild and crazy owner of the Savannah Bananas Ball Team in Savannah, Georgia, uh, he's got a brand new book out, Banana Ball, that I just read. But he's, he's just a really innovative guy. He's always innovating. But he made some changes. I mean, he had, has a massive audience. I mean, they sell out a 4,200-seat stadium, 26 games. They do that a year in advance and have 40,000 people on a waiting list to get those tickets. So he's doing pretty well. But in making a change, then taking it on the road where they do play what they call banana ball. It's kind of like a Harlem Globetrotters in baseball now as they, they go and entertain audiences and they're going to stadiums all around the country. Well, there's a lot of pushback when he did that. You know, things like people said, I know Jesse's a marketing genius who could probably sell ice to Eskimos, but I hope this traveling circus falls flat on its face. Sure, it's cute and kitsy, but I'll bet the novelty will wear off soon. What a mockery. Somebody else says, such a sad choice. It was definitely not a fan-based decision. Take Savannah out of your name. Jesse's joke sounds about right. And he go on. Um, Jesse and a team have sold out money over true fans. Okay. So, you know, anytime there's change, there are going to be people who resist that. My adding ads into the podcast is no exception. So thank you for your comments. Uh, I read every single one 
And I'm getting comments like, Dan, your long explanation of why you're adding advertisements to the podcast was immediately followed by a loud, unnecessary ad for a mattress. Pointless, poorly targeted, and irrelevant. Let's call your ad experiment what it really is, another income stream for you and a way to devalue your message. There you go. Dan's sold out. Breaks the flow of the episode, changes the voice and tone, leaves you as no different from the vast bulk of podcasts. I'll try and keep listening because the value is there, but the destruction of your brand as I perceived it, it is significant. All right. Um, another here, Here's one. It was cute. We've been sleeping together for some time now, Dan. Since your soothing voice put me right out, um, I mean that as a compliment. I'd re-listen several times over the week just to make sure I got the full message. We had fun, good times. Now you've brought so many other people to the party that it's just annoying. All right, somebody says, don't like your experiment. Please go back to talking about razors and mattresses. Well, those were ads that I was putting in, and I will be doing some host-read ads. They're called ads where I read them. We're just getting started, just kind of experimenting. But it's it's an experiment. It is. So I, I, I again, appreciate your feedback. But uh, Seth Godin says, making mistakes is the only way to explore a future that is not yet here. Now, if you think about that, I mean, think about the fact that if you don't make mistakes, you're probably playing it pretty safe. And I, I talk about the fact that when I set my goals, I want to have about a 50-50 chance of hitting them. If I ever had a year where I hit all the goals I set, I'd be mortified, fully confident that I hadn't set them high enough. I want things that stretch me, chances, things that are going to give me a chance to stub my toe and fall. Hey, maybe this is one of those. I, I told you this is a two-year experiment. I don't know where it's going to go, but it's an experiment. So that's what we're going to we're going to hang in there, and uh, we'll see how this all plays out. Well, hey, just want to give you a quick reminder here. This is these are real questions. We're going to go into some questions here. We're going to spend the rest of the time here going through some great questions that you all have submitted. I appreciate those. I'm honored to get those. Keep those coming in. Just go to 48days.com slash askdan. You can leave your questions there or tips, resources that you want to share with other people. You all are so generous about doing that or sharing success stories. Appreciate getting all those. Again, it's 48days.com slash askdan. All right, this question comes from Mike, who says, this is Mike, 48 Days Man since back in the day, Eagles member. I'm from Nashville. I moved uh, to Colorado to be close to my son and two grandchildren. Okay, so I've got something I'm working on that's absolutely incredible, and I think I'm finally going to launch after way too much planning. It's ready to go, and so am I, but my previous attempts at doing the tech work have turned out badly. I don't think I'm too good to do some work and learn what I need to, but what can be accomplished by somebody who knows what they're doing in a few minutes would take me hours with very poor results. It's just not my genius. My question is, should I pay somebody to do the tech and set up initially or just try to learn it on my own? I've let the fear of proving my inadequacies with tech stop me from getting started and I have to solve this ASAP. Thanks for all you do. All the podcasts I've listened to over the years have always come back to 48 days while changing and leaving others. Mike. Well, Mike, thanks for uh, laying it out very clearly. Stay in your zone of genius. You said tech is not your genius. I mean, don't try to do everything. It'll slow down your progress. And also it'll put a low ceiling on what you can really achieve. 
mean, nobody is master of everything. You know, we don't know that old adage. You have to be very clear on what is it that you do really, really well. And when you're starting to do business like this, you know, certainly there may be other things, a variety of things you have to do initially, but very quickly you want to identify what is your zone of genius. And we make those distinctions. You hear me talk about identify where you are incompetent, where you are competent, where you are excellent, and then where you have your zone of genius, your unique ability. You want to move into that and spend as much time as there is possible. People often get stuck where they are excellent. You do something, you do it well, provides a cash flow coming in, and you get stuck there and you can't advance. Sometimes it's hard to see beyond that. You know, you may need to sit down with a coach and identify what your real zone of genius is. But moving into that, spending more time there has been an absolute game changer for me over the years, moving away from those things. You know, if it's, if I'm incompetent, I want to eliminate those things from things that I do. If I'm competent, I want to delegate those things, have other people do it. If, if I'm just competent, there are probably other people that can do it better. And then those things where I'm excellent, I want to create systems where those can repeat themselves kind of on autopilot so that I can spend time in what I call my zone of genius. And that's what I recommend you do. So yes, absolutely. Reach out and get that tech help, help you get over that first part so you can launch this business you're talking about and get in a game. Okay. Barb says after several decades in the same industry, it's time to transition into a teaching, education, training, consultant, self-employed entrepreneurial type profession. All right. I have years of experience and lots of technical data related to a specific industry. There's a gaping hole in the industry that needs to be filled, but how do I transition? I believe my initial goal of earning $1,000 a week is realistic. Dan, what's your number one suggestion to transitioning into more meaningful work? Golly, great question, Barb. My number one suggestion for transitioning into more meaningful work is before you do anything, draw that line in the sand Take a fresh look at who you are. Take a fresh look inward. You know, we, we change, we evolve, we develop over time. So take a fresh look at your skills and abilities, your personality tendencies, your values, dreams, and passions. A lot of people, it's like the frog in the kettle. You know, the slow changes we don't notice where we've been pushed into doing something that's not a really good fit over time, even if we got promotions and advancements along the way. There's that subtle push to push you in a direction that maybe isn't a good fit. So draw in this and take a fresh look at that. And if, especially if you're going to go into something where you are more uh, entrepreneurial, where it's really, you want to make sure that it's really an authentic fit. I mean, the more you understand yourself, especially again, when going outside the traditional job model, the more you position yourself for success. So do that. Now, when you're going from something where you've been doing it, you have proven competencies there, and you're going to move into that teaching, training, consulting position, it's a natural next move for a lot of people. If you, wow, if you have been leading leadership workshops at your company, so you're known for that. You've been in doing the training there anyway. You're going to go out and do those on your own. Well, as part of doing those, when you are an employee, they may be part of a $120,000 a year salary that you're getting. But when you move out and do that on your own, you may be able to charge $3,500 for a three-hour workshop that you would do just doing that specific workshop. Now, that's way more per hour than what you are used to making 
prior to that, but that's the value of moving into doing it on your own. You know, just from a company standpoint, if they have you hired, your efforts for them ought to be producing three to five times profits that they're paying you. I mean, they don't pay you $120,000 if it's bringing the company $130,000. No, not a chance. You know, if you are, they're paying you 120, your real value of the company has to be in the four to $500,000 range to justify having you on it in a position like that. So just mathematically, you look at that, you ought to be able to move out, reduce your workload, reduce your time and still double your income. I mean, that's the way it works when you move into doing it on your own. So take a fresh look at what it is you have. Be very clear on the value you bring and then package that in a way that's appealing to the companies you want to target. Hold your head high and go for it. Sounds awesome. All right, this comes from Bob. He says, Dan, I'm writing to you in an attempt to gain insight on how to make a positive change in my life. I'm 32 years old with a degree in government public policy. I graduated in 2018, was unable to find work in my educational field. So I started working in banking and retail due to necessity. I've been slowly advancing my career in banking since I got married five and a half years ago. Despite achieving some success at past positions, I've recently switched to a role where it's 100% commission based in the mortgage banking industry. I've been struggling to make ends meet, getting a second job delivering pizzas at night and on weekends. My wife also works two jobs. I feel like I'm working myself to death to advance in a career that I hate. Any advice would be appreciated. Thank you. Well, I alluded to this in my opening, Bob. Yeah, absolutely. Stop climbing a ladder that's leaning against the wrong wall. That's the old Stephen Covey principle. That's one of the, from Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. A lot of people climb the ladder of success only to discover it's leaning against the wrong wall. I mean, that's why I've had the privilege of working with so many dentists and physicians and attorneys, and pastors over the years, because they had the ability to keep moving up in their career, but they were moving up in something that they really didn't enjoy. And usually at about that, you know, 45, 50 year age range, they wake up and say, you know what, I'm living somebody else's dream, not my own. And they make an adjustment. So you can draw a line in the sand. You're 32 years old. So that means you've had enough experience now. You have the wealth of some years of experience. A lot of times the most value in those early years of working is to just clarify what you don't want to do. That's the value. So be grateful for what you've learned. But when you're working something that's 100% commissions and you don't enjoy it, that's a real recipe for disaster. No wonder you're hustling pizzas at night, and that should not be a component of a successful professional commission-based opportunity. Not at all. There should be no room for that if you really are maximizing. If you're in a good fit, have a reasonable opportunity. Now, I know people who are in the mortgage banking industry who are in 100% commission who are doing extremely well. I mean, I know people who are, you know, who are making two to $300,000 in that kind of position, but they love it. That's a lot different. If you don't love it, don't try to be good at doing it. It just works against each other. Don't do that. So take a fresh look at what it is you do want to do based on what it is you know you don't want to do now and then make a new direction. You can do this, but you don't have to put up with what you're doing now. You don't have to be 
continuing to be in this, how did you describe it? Advancing in a career that you hate. Wow, that's that's a real oxymoron. Advance in a career. It, it, we have to get rid of the word advance because it, it seems to be deteriorating rather than an advancement in the way that you describe it. All right, John says, I want to find some resources for possible small business ideas that I could start with my 12-year-old daughter. Do you have any recommendations? Yes, I got to be a million recommendations. Last week, I talked about this summit. Probably if you listen to that, um, you may have submitted your question before you heard that episode. But I talked about a lot of things that people are doing. You know, Caleb Becker started as a kid buying blow-up pops, eight for a dollar, and then sold them at school for 25 cents. So for every four he sold, he got four free for himself. You know, just little ideas like that that kids can do. I mean, talked about my own granddaughters. I mean, I've got, I've got a real working lab with all my grandkids. Um, one of my granddaughters, who is now, let's say she just turned 16, but she's been commissioned to illustrate another children's book. Um, she's being paid $100 in illustration, and uh, there are about 20 images in the book to be completed. So, you know, that's going to be a $2,000 project for a 16-year-old. So th- here's the key. In, in what we're in what we're looking at here, John, the key is to help your daughter follow her curiosity. That's where you start. That's where kids come up with ideas that they enjoy and want to continue doing. I mean, Vincent Puglisi has one of his sons has tarantulas. He enjoys, you know, tarantulas, just knowing about them and all that. He goes out here to the beach. He'll go out to Siesta Key out there on the beach, spend a couple hours in the afternoon and come back with $200 in tips because he just lets people learn about those. You know, he will challenge them to let it walk up their arm and they do, you know, take pictures and he gets tips. It's not even a structured business, but it's something that he really enjoys. And yes, there's a, there's a monetary end to that. I talked last week about the family who, um, having come from China, you know, understood the value of really finely made handkerchiefs, but they're, they're buying handkerchiefs for 25 cents and selling them for $25. And you can check it out, Bumblebee Linens. You know, it's funny, I mentioned that last week, and now I get pop-up ads for them. It seems everywhere I turn, but uh, that's just the way it goes out there in social media. Now, to, to really find some ideas, I mean, there's certainly sources out there. If you go to places like mykidentrepreneur.com, I mean, you can start there, mykidentrepreneur.com. They've got a list of 99 business ideas for kids that'll make money. So there's a lot of resources like that you can find. But to, to start with, you know, follow your curiosity. That's where you want to you start with the curiosity. And then as you understand that, you can become really, really good at something and become really good. Then you can craft a product or service that flows out of that. Then you make a promise. People take you up on that. You get the profitability and enjoy what you're doing. I love seeing kid entrepreneurs. Just this week, my um, investment group, we vetted a company that is run by four young entrepreneurs. They're seniors in high school, but they have a candle company. They have some really unique things that they're not using paraffin, which is oil-based. They're using a soy-based wax for this. Everything's very environmentally friendly. They have great sense in there when you they, it comes in a mason jar and under the lid of the mason jar there's a packet of forget-me-not seeds so it's the the goal is you burn the candle out you can wash it out because 
the soy-based wax is water-soluble. Watch it, fill it with dirt, put the seeds in, and then you have a beautiful plant that comes out of that. So some unique things they're doing. But I love just going through. You know, they were asking for an investment. Um, they're, um, we're not going to do it in that particular case because uh, it's a business that has a lot of holes in it. But it was a great experience, hopefully for them as well. They were delightful to work with. And we just gave them a lot of ideas about how to shore their business up to make it something that is profitable. Great way to learn. And what they're learning at this point, it doesn't matter if they only make $2 profit before they give up in the business and go off to college. They will learn so much from this that will help them understand new opportunities when they do come along. All right. Hey, one more here. Andrew says, my wife and I both work. We have a 10-month-old baby girl. We're trying to figure out a way for my wife to transition out of nursing to a more flexible position where she can be home more with our baby. We would ideally like to invest or start a business to replace 50 to 100% of my wife's income, which is $100,000. We currently have $100,000 to invest, but we're having a hard time figuring out the right option. Thanks for all the wisdom and inspiration you've provided your listeners over the years. I've been listening to your podcast for about six years now. Well, thank you, Andrew. I appreciate that honor by having you be a listener. Now, there are a lot of things that you could do, and I'll go right back to what I just shared about helping a 12-year-old. It's the same with your wife being a nurse with a new baby. Start with your curiosity. Then become really good at that. Develop that into a passion. It becomes a talent. You see a need. Then you create a plan, a purpose that can change a world. You turn that purpose into a promise, and then you get a profit from that, and you're off and running. So it really is the same. Now, with your wife being a nurse, if she has enjoyed that career, then she's already way down the path here in terms of curiosity, passion, talent. If she's talented as a nurse, there's a lot of ways to put that into motion that may be the best beginning stage for any business that you want to go into. And frankly, there are a lot of things you could do with her being a nurse that don't require a $100,000 investment to get started. If she would do a training program, as an example, where she's, you know, has a course for, for new moms, as an example, based on her knowledge as a nurse, that would be really unique. You know, she could do that. She could do training. She could do tutoring. Um, of course, what's really popular reminds me of my son works at Sarasota Memorial Hospital, and he works three twelves. So he works Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 12 hours each day. Now, that's really common for nurses. I think about that. That's not a bad schedule. Three days, 12 hours. So if you got child care for your little baby, it'd be long days, but only three, then she'd be home fully four days. And with that, you know, typically the three twelves, 36 hours, you get paid for 40. So it's a full-time position anyway. I mean, that would certainly be an option, but there's so many flexible options that are available being a nurse. But again, if that's going to be the basis of something you look at now, if you're looking for something just totally different, my goodness, I mean, we've got a lot of resources that are lower, no cost business ideas that you can start, that you can do from home. I mean, things like I talked about last week that are essentially arbitrage where you buy some kind of product. I mean, she may know some kind of products that are just inherent to the nursing profession and um, become a distributor for those. There may be some kind of uniform or some kind of gloves or something that nurses need that she sees and where she can become a unique distributor for those things. I mean, um, you know, a lady who is a master at making 
incredibly beautiful cakes. So she creates tutorials for those. You can go to cakeheads.com and see her work, but just beautiful work. And she uh, creates tutorials. People pay for the tutorials and they also purchase the products that she recommends for making these cakes, where she has affiliate relationships through Amazon. And it gets income there. Trust me, her income far surpasses what she could possibly do just making cakes. I mean, she could make a beautiful, beautiful wedding cake every week and charge $1,000 for it. But there's no way that's going to come close to the money she's generating now where it turns into residual ongoing continuing income because so many people can view her videos and purchase the products where she gets affiliate commission. Anyway, exciting stuff. I hope you figure this out, what she can do with her nursing background, what she can do to move in this new season of life, you know, generating 100% of her current income and more as a happy stay-at-home mom. All right, let's just do a summary. I'm going to stop there without going into more questions. Again, if you got questions, um, feel free to submit those. I love reviewing them, talking about them here together where we can all learn and grow together. Just go to 48days.com slash askdan to leave your questions there. But if I were just to kind of summarize what we covered today here, I always want to have kind of a, a takeaway. So it's not just random thoughts, but a takeaway summary. Number one, follow your curiosity. Become really good at something. Then create a product or service based on that. Then you make a promise and then you enjoy your profit. Pretty straightforward, pretty simple business plan. Number two, be willing to make mistakes. I mean, that opens the door to a better future. Number three, be willing to be misunderstood. The Jeff Bezos recommendation, don't try to please everyone. And number four, when you know better, you can do better. All right, there we go. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for sending in your questions. Thanks for being open to growing, being a powerful force for making the world a better place. Well, I've had the opportunity to meet lots of you over the last few months. These meetups we're doing around the country have been a lot of fun. Of course, we got our big event coming up here in Sarasota in August. Going to be able to see a lot of you there. We got some phenomenal things that you've never experienced at an event before that we're going to be doing here. Trust me. Uh, I won't spoil the beans on some of those, but we got some really cool things planned. But if you know somebody that's struggling, you know, share this episode with three of your friends. You know, people who are committed to personal growth, they'll thank you for turning them on to things that make their life better. You'll be seen as a positive, helpful person. It'll increase your credibility in their eyes as well. And stay committed to your belief that we can, without a shadow of a doubt, find or create work and a life that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Have a great week.